0: This is the How'd You Get Into That Podcast with Grant Baldwin, episode 48. Welcome
1: to the how Did You Get Into That Podcast. Each week, we wanna bring you an inspiring interview or encouraging message to help you find and do work you love. Now, here's your host, Grant Baldwin.
0: What is up, my friends? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That. My name is Grant. It is great to have you here with us today. Uh, you know, I, I've heard from a lot of you recently who've just said, "Hey, just found the podcast recently and, and really digging the shows, the the interviews, the episodes, the guests." And i uh, helping you just think outside the box of what is possible in terms of a career. You know, so many people just uh, feel like they're just supposed to subject themselves to doing work that they hate, and that's why it's called work. But it's like, hopefully, these interviews and these guests are hopefully uh, allowing you to see that there's so many other options beyond just doing something for the sake of a paycheck. And today's guest is no exception excited to share his journey and story with you but before we get into that I want to remind you that next Wednesday October the 29th we are doing a free webinar so if you are interested at all in getting into speaking maybe you don't necessarily want to become a, a full-time speaker like I've been for the past several years maybe you're just like I would love to just uh, in my little niche my industry I'd love to speak at maybe you know 5 or 10 events a year maybe that's all you're looking to do not only get booked to speak but you want to get paid to speak so next Wednesday, we're going to be doing a free webinar and I'm going to be sharing a lot of different uh, strategies, tactics, things that I've used over the years that have worked really, really well for getting booked and getting paid to speak. So if you are interested at all in that, that is going to be a free webinar, but you do have to register. You can go to grantbaldon.com slash webinar. Again, that's grantbaldon.com slash webinar. Make sure that you don't miss out on that. It's going to be a good time. Looking forward to it. All right, today's guest we've got my friend Lou Mangello, and Lou is a uh, a former lawyer turned. You ready for this? Wait for it. He's a Walt Disney World expert. I kid you not. This guy has a great, great story of how he fell in love with Disney, had all of this random Disney knowledge and trivia locked up in his brain and uh, how he's used that to build a really successful business. Uh, And then just just a great, great guy, great story of how he's built this business of how everybody naturally thought he was crazy to walk away from law in order to, to pursue the Mickey Mouse and his buddies' characters down in Orlando. So great story, great stuff. So let's get into it. Here is my interview with Lou. Enjoy. Alright, what is up? Welcome to another episode of How'd You Get Into That. Today, we are joined by my friend Lou Mangello, who is a, uh, a Disney expert. I kid you not. This guy knows everything and anything you would need to know about the, uh, the magical world of Disney. So, Lou, what is up, man? Welcome to the show. Hey, Grant. Thanks for having me, man. Hey, uh, so let's jump into this. I'd say that you're a Disney expert, but what does that even mean? Tell us what you do. Yeah, you know it's funny because when
1: people ask me what I do, I'm like I laugh and then I try and describe <laughs> exactly what it is I do. I, I the I tell them I sort of I, I talk about Walt Disney World for a living, but basically I um, I've been doing a podcast about Walt Disney World since early 2005, and I also have a blog and videos and live broadcast events and a lot of products and things like that. That really all about my my passion, which is Walt Disney World.
0: That's crazy. Okay, so this is one like every so often I've I've had a couple people's stories that I hear and I'm like. Okay, now even though we do a show about this, now I'm just like, you really make a living doing this? So, what do you mean? Like, what are some different like services or, or things that you would offer related to Disney?
1: It's funny that you laugh because people still come up to me sometimes and go, "When you go out and get a real job?" And I'm like, "I have a real job. I just made it up." Yep. So, exactly, <laughs> exactly. Um, Yeah, so I really started off back in 2003 writing the book I wanted to read about Walt Disney World. I wrote a a trivia book just to see if I could um, write a book and and get it published, and that one trivia book turned into two, and I have another book. Those books I had published, I've self-published a book, I've done a series of audio walking tours of the parks, I've published a magazine which I subsequently sold, and then I produce a weekly audio show, a weekly live video show, a video week. I've got a team of about twenty-five or thirty blog writers that produce a, a lot of content every day. So I try and really satisfy people who are either, you know, the first-time visitor looking to go, or the hardcore Disney fans, and give them the content that they in a way that they are most comfortable consuming it whether it's audio video reading whatever it may be
0: like there's hardcore fans and then there's like you you're like at your own new level of of hardcore fan <laughs>
1: <laughs> There's different types of hardcore fans. Like I'm not the guy with you know 500 Disney tattoos on my, on my body. Like okay. I'm not that kind of a hardcore fan. But yeah, I, I love Disney. I, I've loved it since I was a kid, and uh, I'm blessed to be able to to make a career out of talking about something I enjoy so much.
0: All right, so let's, uh, as always, let's go back in time a little bit here. Where does this fascination of Disney even come from?
1: So as a kid growing up in New Jersey, we always came to Florida. Like we were the Griswolds, right? We got in the back of the family truckster and we drove to Florida every year. And we actually went to Disney like three weeks after it first opened in 1971 and continued to go back every single year. And I became fascinated with the place and what drew us back and tens of millions of people every year. And the more I learned and the more I got to sort of peek behind the curtain a little bit and the more I understood, the more fascinating and interesting it became to me. And it was a place I went with my parents and then with my friends and then with my family. And then, you know, like I said, writing that book was sort of just this idea of taking something and seeing if I could set out a personal challenge to myself to write a book and get it
0: published. So you're fascinated with it as a kid. I mean, there's plenty of things that we're all fascinated with as, as a kid. So at what point did you start to feel like as an adult that like maybe this could be something more than just, oh, that was fun to visit when I was a kid?
1: I think it's because of what I was doing. So, you know, rewind to 2003 in New Jersey. I am a full-time attorney. I also have an IT consulting company on the side, uh, which means I don't sleep very much, but I was always in the service business. And that's where maybe I watched one too many infomercials and the idea of making something once and reselling it came to be. And I couldn't write about the law. I wasn't smart enough to write about computers. And all I really knew about was – Disney World. Like I had all this useless knowledge floating around in my head. And when I told my wife, I still remember the night that I told my wife, I said, you know, I'm thinking about writing a book. And she looked at me and she goes, well, all you know about is Disney. And I went down the basement <laughs> and started writing. And I basically haven't come up from the basement since.
0: That's crazy. OK, so 2003, you're in Jersey. All you know is law and IT. So it sounds like obviously the for the previous several years, like you'd still been like this whole Disney thing, it's still been like a fascination and something like a hobby. And So it wasn't like I went once in 1971 and then it's just set dormant for years. So I mean, how did you stay engaged with like the Disney brand over over the years that kept your fascination?
1: Yeah, I mean, I went, you know, year after year. So even when I was in college, I started taking my friends. And then when I met my wife, I was taking her. Unfortunately, she was a Disney enthusiast as well. So in 2003, obviously, there is no social media. Like, I'm going to show how old I am, Grant. Like, I was on Usenet News Groups and Rec Arts, Disney Parks and things like that. And So old. I know <laughs>
0: bulletin board systems. Dare I say? I hear those dial-up sounds in the background. I know, man. <laughs>
1: like programming my Hayes 300 baud modem to actually connect to <laughs> it was, nice. it was crazy. But I started to discover these little discussion forums and things online. And after my first book came out, I had this little two-page brochure or website, and I started writing articles because I was getting all these emails. I'm like, wow, there's other people that that are interested in this too. And then I started a discussion forum on my own site. And that first night that I did it, like 29 people signed up. I was like, oh, my God, there's like 29 other dorks that like sit in their basement thinking about (laughs) Disney World as much as I do. Like I am not alone. Like I am among my people. And it very quickly and organically grew to like 100 to 1,000 to 5,000, 10,000, 30,000, 50,000. I was like, wow, like there's a lot of other dorks that sit in their basement thinking (laughs) about Disney. And I mean that in an an affectionate kind of way. And it's that's when I started to realize like, huh, like there may be something here and there may be an opportunity.
0: So you, you build that – so it's just basically like a site that you've built just kind of drawing in other enthusiasts? It really was built just to promote the book. So I, I wrote okay.
1: this um, – I created a, a site called DisneyWorldTrivia.com to promote my Walt Disney World Trivia book, which came out in, in 2004. And then the I started writing articles and, and I was getting you know comments there and a lot of emails and then started the discussion forum to sort of give people a place to sort of call home. I was like, okay, well, this will sort of be the clubhouse. This is where you guys can come and we can all talk about it. And I was really surprised at the amount of interest and engagement that there was from people who were coming there so often and, and doing like we were doing, like, you know, Tuesday night tw- uh, trivia chats and things like that. So I realized that people were definitely starved for content. And then, you know, 2005, I see podcasting coming down the pike, and I realize that the spoken word is so much more powerful than anything I could write. Of course, never thinking, who's going to find it? Who's going to listen to me drone on about Disney for an hour? But – Oddly enough, I've been doing it for almost 10 years.
0: Apparently, plenty of people do. So uh, going back to then, I think there's a great lesson there that you know, you look at today and it's like, man, you are you are the Disney expert. You're the go-to guy on this subject. But you go back you know, 10, 11, 12 years ago or so, and you're just kind of like, I think I'm just going to try writing this book and let's see what's going to happen. So it's never like, okay, I'm going to quit my IT law practice on Friday and by Monday I should probably be in a spot where I can go full-time with the <laughs> Disney thing. Like It's a slow progression of something where like there's not like a clear path like it's not like you're seeing other Disney experts out there and like oh okay so that's like that's how I would become one of those it sounds like it just started with something like let's just try this and let's see how it goes is that is that kind of the way it played out for you
1: you know i would love to say of course grant this was ex- this is going exactly to plan as i set it out 10 years ago but you're 100% right the end game for me was writing that book. And when I saw it on Amazon and when I saw it in Barnes and Noble, if you remember what bookstores used to look like, like that was it for me. I thought that was it. I thought that was the end of the road. And I had sort of checked this thing off the list that I wanted to do, which was get a book published. Never thinking, certainly never looking 10 years down the road that this would be something that one, I would make money on, and two, that I would certainly be doing full time. I was a lawyer. I thought I, my look, my wife thought she was marrying a lawyer and was going to live in New Jersey forever. And now yeah. we're in Florida. I talk about Disney. We live behind the Magic Kingdom.
0: <laughs> That's crazy. All right. So when you're in New Jersey, you're doing the law stuff, and you start writing the book. Are you writing the book as just kind of a pastime, a hobby, or is this like, man, if this could help me break out of this invisible cage I'm in in the law world, uh, that'd be really cool. Or like, what are you kind of thinking is going li- to come from it? A- N-
1: not even close, not even close to the vision. And actually the day that my publisher called me and said that they were going to send a contract to, to sign a multi book deal. The very first thing he said was congratulations. Don't quit your day job. Like you are not going to make a lot of money selling books. I was like, I don't care. Just let me sign the contract. I just want to, you know, I'm so excited right. just that, you know, you think it's worthy to, to put your name behind it. So yeah, I, I never, ever expected it to go certainly be anything beyond that.
0: So, you write the book, and when it comes out, was it an immediate traction, an immediate win, or is it kind of, it takes a little bit? And and how'd that kind of play out?
1: Yeah, I mean, again, without things like social media to do the marketing and do the promotion, it was very sort of guerrilla marketing. You know, I was active in a lot of discussion forums. I had a presence there, and I said, hey, look, just so you know, you know, this book came out. So, I had a community that was starting to grow And again, because there was surprisingly no other book like that out there, it did very well, so much so that it, it spawned a, a second book a couple of years later. But it was very interesting because there, you know the way that we sort of promote and market now, just didn't exist. You know, I was out trying to get, you know, on the radio and and you know, get mentioned in newspapers and things like that just to sort of get the word out as as best I can.
0: How long was the the book out or even the second book before you were able to start to make the transition to doing just the Disney stuff full time?
1: It really didn't happen. And actually there was really one day, Grant, that everything changed for me. I was doing the podcast for few months, maybe getting close up to uh, to a year or so. I don't remember exactly what it was. And my wife hands me the phone one day and somebody says, hey, Lou, listen, I've been listening to the show for since the beginning. Love what you do. This is what my company does. I'd love to sponsor your show. What do you charge? And there was like dead silence. Like I was like – I looked at the phone. I was like, I, now what do I do? Like right, somebody right. wants to pay me to do what I'm doing. So I said, uh, let me get back to you. I'll put together a proposal. And I hung up the phone. I was like, well, now what? <laughs> like I was woefully unprepared, but it was a game changer for me. And I was like, you know, I was making some money doing like affiliate stuff and AdSense, but it was nothing. I mean, it, re- it really wasn't something that even had me remotely close to thinking about quitting my job. And with that phone call and, and the the realization that there was a another opportunity here, that kind of started the ball rolling. And it was a, a long process as it started to accidentally grow into a business, right? You know, we never set out and write a business plan and say this is exactly what, it just sort of happens accidentally and really fast forward to about 2007, I'm flying back and forth to Orlando all the time, I'm spending a lot of time, I'm in court in the morning, I'm running network cable in the afternoon, I'm going back, seeing clients, going home, inhaling my dinner, and then writing my book and doing web development stuff till like 2 o'clock in the morning. And I'm like, all right, something has to give. And if I'm going to do this, I need to go all in. And that's what I did. And fortunately, I had the support of a great support system behind me with my parents and and my wife and my family. Um, But it it was a very, very big, big leap of faith.
0: Whenever you make that leap, do you have – you know i've heard, i've heard it described different ways you know i've heard it described as a leap and it's just like let's just run as fast as we can off the cliff and hopefully we make it to the other side or it's more like building a bridge from one side to the other so did you feel like there was enough there that like i i see i see the path of travel ahead of me and i see how if i just if i keep going down this path it's going to work out or is it more just kind of a i just hate the law stuff so much i got to get out of this and so let's just give this a shot and let's hopefully we'll cross our fingers and see if it works
1: well it really sort of happened that I, my IT consulting company had gotten busy, so I had left the practice of law. I was in practice with my dad, so he was very understanding about me wanting to do the IT stuff full time, and then I eventually sold that business, and at one point, I was the chief technology officer for a medical imaging company, so I had a very good job. I I was very, very comfortable. I was basically at that job, but still sort of doing my Disney stuff, you know, a lot of the time (laughs) while I was there, but I I said, look, if I want to make this work, I I need to really go all in. People say, well, how are you going to do it? And I said, I don't know. Like, I'm I'm going down the path and I feel it. Like, I just have a feeling like I know I could do this. And it really, for me, Grant, was more like, I don't want to regret it later. I don't want five years, 10 years, 20 years down the road to go, you know what? Why didn't I give it a shot? Like, I'll never know what would have happened. And I didn't want to have that regret. I knew I had the IT background and the law background behind me. I could always get a job again somewhere else. But that first day... When I left my position as the the CTO and that first day, that first Monday morning that I went downstairs to my office with my coffee in my pajamas, my work clothes, I went, oh, my God, like, what did I do? Like, are you kidding me? Like, you just like, – what are you, insane, man? Like, you have a wife and you have kids and you're – and, and it was very scary. And it continues to be scary sometimes, too. You know, as an entrepreneur and a solopreneur, there's, there's scary moments all the time. But in hindsight, it was the best thing I ever did.
0: Yeah, I think there's a, such a great point there. That, and we talk a lot about that on this show of, of the idea of regret. There's some things that you do that you wish you hadn't done. We've all done our fair share of just stupid mistakes and decisions. But then there's also the things that you didn't do that you wish you had tried. And so for you, it was one of those, like, I don't want to fast forward to the end of my life and look back and be like, man, I think I could have given that Disney thing a shot. Like I think I think I could have made that work, but I'll never know because I didn't try. And so even like you said, just playing it out in the worst case scenario. So so let's say you try the Disney thing and it's, the, the whole thing's a flop. It's just a disaster. Oh well, it made for a great story, and now you can go back and you find a job or something, and life moves on. But just the the idea of just trying it and just getting almost like getting it out of your system. Like sometimes there's that there's almost like that feeling of like I, I just have to get it out. I just have to know what I may I can't keep like keeping this all bottled up inside. I have to actually give this a shot. Sounds like that's almost the the breaking point that you came to.
1: Yeah, I, I think you you have to sort of, you know, even if you try something and fail, at least you can say you did it. At least you can say you tried it. And you never have to worry about regret. You could always just say, you know what? I gave it a shot and it didn't work or it led me down a different path, whatever it may be, but I never wanted to live with regret. You're right.
0: Whenever you started the just the, the overall just dis- Disney company, were you uh, and then you made the transition from law and the IT stuff, did you feel like you were you wanted to leave the IT and the law stuff behind, or that you more wanted to pursue the Disney stuff? Because I think sometimes like people are usually in, in one of two spots. Either I wanna leave where I'm at, but I don't know where I'm going. Or I want, I know where I'm going and I don't really care what I leave behind. Does that make sense?
1: Yeah. And it wasn't that I was unhappy in my job. You know, I, I always knew since I was a kid, I wanted to be a lawyer and, and my dad was a lawyer and I loved doing the, the IT stuff. I was a total nerd that didn't date very much in high school. So I, I enjoyed it. But as I started to do the Disney thing, like the word that we overuse now, the idea of like this is my passion like i love doing this like i love doing this and it makes me happy and i'm making other people happy from it and yes i could turn this into a business that's what started to lead me down the path not like oh i hate my job i got to go find something else to do it was this thing that i found this accidental business that i found that made me come to the realization like hey you know what life is too short not to get up every day and love what you're doing and and now i feel bad for the people grant that wake up and are like, oh, I hate my freaking job, but I can't wait to go home at night and work on this or I can't wait for the weekends. Like we live in an age where you can and you should find that thing that like set your heart on fire and you get excited about and do that, like do that full time. We, we, we can do that now. And, and I like sort of and I hope people get inspired to, to realize and you, you're very much the,
0: you know, the same way that you can do that. Yeah, for sure. So uh, let me ask you this though: that whenever you're you're thinking about doing the the Disney thing and it's starting to like gain some traction, I think this is a great example of how do you differentiate between like what's just a like just kind of an all-consuming hobby and something that I'm really into versus what could I really turn into a, a business? Because again, like we said, like there's no real like game plan or path that's been paved already of like oh yeah yeah if you want to be a, a disney expert then yeah that's that's a natural thing and this is how you do it it's just more like you're kind of creating it as you go and just kind of pioneering and, and and blazing this new trail so how do you differentiate between like did you ever have those moments where it's like well i'll just you know i'll do a book or two on the side and keep my law it job and that's good enough versus like no no, no i gotta like i think i'm gonna go all in on this how do you kind of determine which path to take there
1: I think we all struggle with that sometimes, and especially especially if you have people that are coming to you saying, what do you mean? You're thinking about quitting your job and talking about Disney World. Like, what, are you insane, man? Like, I, my people were telling me, like, look, I give you six weeks, and then you'll be back. Like, you'll be back trying to find a job in IT or a, a job in law, which is fine. You know, I understand that. People don't didn't understand what I was doing, and they said, what's, what's your business plan? And I said, R- I really don't know, because you're right, I, we are sort of, you know, blazing the path as we're doing it. I said, I really don't know, but I know that I need to devote myself 100% to do it, right? I'll find other ways to monetize the podcast. I'll start creating other products. I see that there is a community out there of incredibly loyal and engaged people that that are hungry for content. So I don't know what the plan is, but I'm going to figure it out as I go along. And, and it, you're right. It is tough to see, you know, if, if your hobby is baking cupcakes, well, you got to sort of see, you can take the leap of faith, but make sure you've got the parachute behind you.
0: Right, right. So what, for you, what was your parachute that you knew, hey, even if this doesn't work, I've still, like, I, I, I assume from your, because you said you sold the IT business, right? Did you have a little bit of saved, set aside for uh, just kind of a runway to get going?
1: Yeah. So the parachute that I talk about is you need to sort of sit down and say, okay, if no money comes in for the next six months, can I survive? Can I pay my bills? Can my kids eat at least two or three times a week, whatever it may be? Like, can I survive? Bare minimum. (laughs) Right. (laughs) Listen, macaroni cheese and ramen noodles is good enough for everybody. But, so think about that. And my wife had a job and she had health benefits and so I said, okay, if, if things go, you know, catastrophically wrong and it all just goes away tomorrow, can we still survive? And will my wife not divorce me (laughs) in the meantime. And fortunately, she was very much on board. And I can't stress the importance of having a good support system around you because when things get tough, you can't have somebody go and, you know what? Just go back and quit this thing and go get a real job and cut it out. You need somebody who has to believe in the dream as much as you do. And it, it's incredibly important, I think.
0: Yeah, I think uh, that there's a, that great lesson too, that that when you're like really hardcore into this, I got to make this dream happen. I'm going to figure this out one way or the other. That my assumption is, uh, and you kind of alluded to it there, that going from law to a startup in the Disney world, you've got to scale back your lifestyle significantly. Because it's not like money is, is magically flowing in all of a sudden. It's like you really got to figure some stuff out. So just being willing to say, like, I'm willing to make these sacrifices to see if I have what it takes to see if I can get to the other side to see if I can make that leap instead of being like, well, I'm going to stay here and it's safe and comfortable and I'll have the job. But in the back of my mind, I'll always wonder what if.
1: Yeah. And I think that was, you know, we talk about fear a lot. That was part of my fear was having the regret. And, And I think still to this day, because we're charting our course, that, that fear sometimes comes into play like, you know, if I just had a regular job, I could punch in and punch out nine to five. I wouldn't have to worry about cash flow and what's next and, and hustling 24 hours a day, seven days a week. But that little bit of fear is kind of what fuels my fire a little bit.
0: Cool. All right. So and you kind of alluded to this as well, but when you're wrapping up the law stuff and everyone, and you're, you're moving on, it's not like you're like, okay, I'm, you know, I've done the law thing. It's cool. I'm going to go over here and I'm going to, I'm going to do it or I'm going to do marketing or I'm going to do something, you know, glamorous or sexy. You're like, I'm going into Disney. So what is everybody saying? What are people thinking? Are you, is everybody like just questioning if you're, if you're insane or is that completely out of your mind or many people supportive or what's kind of the feedback you're getting from mothers it was
1: primarily you're crazy you know because even like when i started podcasting they're like time out man like you're gonna sit alone in your room in front of a microphone and talk to yourself about mickey mouse for an hour a week and hope that people listen (laughs) i'm like yeah isn't that amazing they're like you're a freak man like you'll be done in a couple of weeks this is just a fad like what's wrong with you right and even to this day grant sometimes i'll meet people that still say that like what do you do like you don't really have a job and you talk about Mickey Mouse all the time and how does it and they can't sort of wrap their minds around that
0: So you have those, you know, you have those conversations early on. Do you still have? And I assume then, and even still, you still have those, those, just those doubts and those question marks in your own mind. Like, what am I doing? Like, let's just go find a different deal. Let's let the Mickey thing be in my childhood, and let's let's grow up at some point. Do you still have those doubts and second guessing yourself? I don't, in terms of what I am doing
1: and where I am, having never sort of expected this is where I could be. I can't imagine myself going back and working for somebody and doing the nine to five or nine to nine or or whatever it is. To say that I'm I'm unemployable barring something catastrophic is maybe not an understatement because I like steering my own ship. I like charting my own course. I like being an entrepreneur. I like sort of getting excited about what I'm doing today and what I'm going to be doing tomorrow and what's next. That is the thing that sort of gets my heart racing and I didn't feel that same way. I didn't feel the same way working for somebody else.
0: Right. So as you're starting to build the business, at what point, like how deep into it do you finally feel like, I think this might actually work. Like, I think there's enough here that I could actually make a business and make a living at, and, and we can eat maybe four to five meals a week. This is getting <laughs> right. exciting. So at what point do you feel like you start to maybe have something?
1: It's hard to sort of pinpoint the moment when it was, there was just that That time when I was in New Jersey and I'm spending so much time and energy, like I'm going back and forth and I'm almost commuting back and forth to Florida, you know, two or three times a month. And I'm like, this is crazy. Like I didn't write write down and say, okay, I'm going to make X amount of dollars from this a month, from this, this, this. Here's the plan. This is how much I'm going to make. This is what I was like, I just need to do this. Like I need to get there. I need to go where what I do is and then I will figure it out. And again, I have my law background. I've got my IT background. I can get a job if things fall apart. But I need to be there on the ground and I'll figure it out from there because I see that I can create products. I see that there are sponsorship opportunities. And then all these secondary and tertiary businesses eventually come from it too, which I never expected, like you know, speaking and, and trying to help other people not do what I did but follow their passion and, and – Turned into their day job.
0: Right, right, right. And more than just like starting this thing on the side or doing a couple of books, like you went hardcore all in by like uprooting your family and moving to Orlando. So what was like your wife's reaction to that? And what was, again, what was, I guess, everybody else's reaction of like, dude, you are really, <laughs> like we thought you were crazy before, but now you're moving to the Magic Kingdom. Like you're really crazy. Like what's your wife thinking at that point? What's everybody else thinking?
1: Yeah, and some people were like, okay, like again they're, have fun they're like, yeah good luck with all that uh, clearly you've lost your mind like you because some people said and it made sense they're like lou you spent all this time like in school and you went to law school and you clerked and you did all these things and now you want to go and move to florida and you don't have a job and you're renting a house sight unseen like what are you thinking man like stop for a second and think it out and i'm like i need to do this Like, I need to do this and we will survive. Again, my wife, you know, she is the the fire under the machine. She has always been incredibly supportive. I I would not be here had it not been for her unwavering support, even when things were bad. And sometimes you're questioning like, oh, God, did I do the right thing? Like, should I really be? She's like, hang in there. Like, it's going to happen. Whatever it is, it is going to happen.
0: Why did you decide ultimately to move down there? And then once you got down there, how did that affect or change your business?
1: So, I moved actually down to South Florida first. I was in Naples. Uh, my parents had a house down there and, and had pretty much kind of retired and were down there full time. So, I moved down by them because at least I was closer to Disney. Although now I'm still, instead of flying two and a half hours each way, I'm driving, which means I'm losing all the time to do work, uh, you know, just driving back and forth. My dad had gotten sick, so I stayed down there. I, I took care of him a- until he passed. And then when that happened, I'm like, look, I'm still doing the same thing I was in New Jersey. Orlando is where I need to be. So we literally – it happened like I drove up to Orlando on a Tuesday. I found a house. We, we signed a lease. We packed up the house on Wednesday, moved out on Thursday, moved in on Friday. Saturday comes. I'm like we're, we're unpacking boxes. And I was like, listen, house looks good. We need to finish unpacking. I told my wife, I said, listen, you need to go out, get the kids in school. You'll get a job. Find out where the Publix is. Start putting up you know, stuff on the walls because tomorrow I need to go to Hawaii for a week with another woman who was my travel partner. She's my, my travel sponsor. Disney just opened up a new resort. And when I said that to her, and this is a testament to to who she is, she said, I got it. Like, I got this. Don't worry about it. Go do what you got to do. Sheesh. And I came back and she had a job and the kids were in school and the pictures were on the wall and the refrigerator was stocked. And I said, this is cool because next week I have to go to California to Disneyland <laughs> for the opening event. And you know what she said then?
0: I, I got, got it, yeah.
1: I got this. Don't worry. And, and I think that really is... Um, you know, without somebody that's supportive like that, none of this would ever have happened.
0: So, looking back now, uh, obviously hindsight's twenty twenty, and it's easy to be like, oh, it all just magically worked out—pun intended. So. For you, is there anything that you would do differently or anything that you'd change about the path of travel? For, I'm thinking about for people that maybe listen to this and and they're kind of thinking in their own mind, like, man, I got this kind of unconventional thing I'm kind of intrigued by. I think I could make a run at it. I think I could make a business of it. Not really sure like what the path of travel. It's not like there's a, a clear route here, but I, th- I think I got enough there that I've got a couple early wins and I'm, I see some potential traction there. What would you say to them or anything that you would do differently or advice that you would give? So I'm going to give you the lame but honest
1: an authentic answer first is that I wouldn't change anything because I think the path that I have taken to get here has defined who I am in terms of the struggles and the failures and the disappointments and the wins and the learning along the way. Like I've learned and I continue to learn every day an incredible amount. So I'm, I'm so fortunate to be where I am now. I wouldn't really change anything. If I was giving advice to somebody else, I may say to especially now because of the tools that we have and the resources that are available to maybe sit down and plan a strategy a little bit more other than I just need to go do this, right? Which right. there's something liberating about that, but you can say, okay, you know, what is my strategy in terms of what am I going to create? How am I going to distribute it? How am I going to market it? How am I going to do all these different things? We are able to do that a little bit more. You know, I was figure I had to figure out Twitter as it came out. I had to figure out Facebook as it came out. I had to figure out podcasting as it was coming out. So there was no track record behind me, so you can sort of look to other people and see how they 're doing it and there there 's no roadmap or blueprint, but you do have some additional help and resources out there to to tap into
0: now to kind of wrap up here i 'd be remiss if I, if i didn 't ask you some tips and tricks about disney all right so we've got plenty of parents that are listening to the show i've got three little girls who've made uh two visits to the magic kingdom been on a couple disney cruises and uh we are all about all things disney so a very broad generic question but what do we need to do to maximize a, a trip to disney for someone that may be listening to this
1: I love the fact that you're a Disney fan and you you took your kids nice and early. Like I'll, I'll tell you, you that
0: will you, I'll jump in. will you'll appreciate this. So we went on a Disney. We well, my wife and I we've been on a couple different cruises and we enjoy cruises. And so we had been on a few different ones, the, all the major lines. And then uh, we went on a Disney one with our girls. And then like a like several months later, my wife and I went on like an an older Carnival ship, and we're walking around and we're like. Ugh. It's just not as good. Like our whole trip, we were just depressed because we were like, Disney ruined us for cruises and experiences. They're just like, even like as a dad of little girls, I I'm telling my wife the other day, I was like, we got to make another trip down there. Like I, I just really dig that place. So sorry to interrupt. I had to just say that like Disney, if you've ever experienced it's just top of their game. So how, how do we make the most of our Disney experiences?
1: Now but I love it. And I was smiling the whole way because I, I totally dig it. And I think that's why you know, I've been able to to do well and the Disney brand has such brand loyalty is because of the level of experience, right? We always, we have going with expectations that are always met or exceeded and that's why we keep going back time after time and year after year and, and bring our kids with us. I think that the best way to maximize your trip is to A, know when to go, right? When you go can really make or break your trip. And I understand people are in school and some people are teachers. You can only, your limited amount of time But knowing when to go can save you stress and can save you literally thousands of dollars. If you go in the middle of August, I'm going to tell you it's going to be like Africa hot, super crowded, and the most expensive time of year to go. You still have a great time. You're going to wait in a lot of longer lines. But if you can go during some of the off seasons in September or go early December and the holiday decorations are up and it's value season and and it's a lot cooler out and it's a lot less crowded – you could really have a a different type of experience and save a ton of money too.
0: Yeah, when we went actually we went early December one year which was phenomenal. It was great. And then we went like mid mid May I think it was, uh, right before school let out. And it was just great times of year. In fact, I was I was speaking at an event in Orlando this past June and my girls all came with me and they're like, "We're going to Disney, going to." I was like, "Disney in middle of June sounds miserable." <laughs> so we didn't get anywhere near it. So I'm like, "If we're going to go, I want to go in a December. I want to go in a You know, one of those off-peak times that that you alluded to. Anything else that we can do just to to save a couple bucks on the experience?
1: Yeah, and it's funny because in the past 10 years, that's the question I've gotten over and over again. So forgive this this shameless somewhat plug. But when somebody asks you a question like a a number of times, there's clearly a a problem and a product in there. And that led me to uh, self-publish my most recent book, which is actually 102 ways to save money for Walt Disney World and at Walt Disney World when you get there. Because I found that that is like the number one consistent question that I've gotten year after year. But, you know, knowing when to go, knowing where to stay to, knowing sort of how to budget your money, there's tons of ways to save on food, you know, as well. Everybody says, oh, I I can't go to Disney. It's so expensive. And it really isn't. Um, And it's also not – it's not miserable in June. It's just – a little bit more hot and crowded, so <laughs> I feel I bad for the people that that's only the only because t- if somebody's listening, going God, we're going in Gene, we we have to cancel this. You'll have still have a good time, but yeah. Stay cool and hydrated.
0: Indeed, indeed. And in fact, you were generous enough to send a copy of that book over. I've been thumbing through that. I was telling my wife, I was like, golly, now we really got to go to Disney. So <laughs> it's a really well done, well laid out book. Uh, people definitely check that out. So Lou, if we want to learn more about you, what it is that you do, and uh, just if we just need to learn everything you know uh, and just download your brain about Disney, where can we go?
1: Yeah, so all of the Disney stuff can be found at wdwradio.com. And my personal site and everything else that I do can be found at loumangelo.com.
0: Awesome. And we will link up to both of those in the show notes. Lou, enjoy the chat, man. I'm dying to get to Disney now. I got to get down to the Magic Kingdom, just a, uh, a fun place for kids and adults alike. So thanks for the time, man. Enjoy the chat. Hey, thank you. And, and when you come down to Disney, we'll hang
1: out, we'll grab a meal, and we'll, uh, we'll walk the parks a bit.
0: I'm in. Let's do it. Talk to you later, buddy. Boom. There you go. Hope you enjoyed that interview with uh, Lou Mangello. You can go to com slash Lou Mangiello. That's M O N G E L L O. Not to be confused with Jello the snack. Lou Mangello. M-O-N-G, I had to look it up here. M-O-N-G-E-L-L-O. There we go. We got that right. Hey, if you're interested in Lou, you can also check out com. Or if you're interested in learning more about what he does with Disney, you can go to wdwradio.com. W-D-W as in Walt Disney World, radio.com. So check that out. A lot of great stuff there. I'm a Disney fan with three little girls. And so I've uh, I've picked Lou's brain a bit on uh, just experiencing Disney for all that it has to offer. So make sure you, uh, you check that out. I think Lou's story is a great example of someone who's like, I, I have this weird kind of random passion and I'm not really sure how that translates into a career. And here's someone who, again, he left his law practice to become a Disney expert. Think about that kind of shift. And we talked about, you know, everybody's second guessing him, everybody's doubting him, everybody's wondering if he's crazy. Even as I'm hearing the story, you could probably hear it in my own voice of going like, What were you thinking? You know, now you can you can fast forward to today and it works out and it's great, but here's a guy who's who's willing to take that risk, to make that leap, and to see how it played out today. And you know what? It could have been a, f- a failure. It could have been a huge flop. And I'm sure that Lou would have been okay with that because at least he gave it a shot. So what is it for you? What is that thing that you're just like, I've got this random book of knowledge in my head. Maybe you've got this all this trivia like Lou had with, with Disney and uh, you're trying to figure out what to do with it. Maybe what you ought to do is just take some type of next step. You know, Lou has this, this huge business around Disney today, but it didn't start like that. It started with just version one of just starting with something. And it's not like he had this grand plan. He just, let's just try a book here. Let's just try taking all this Disney stuff. And I guess even before the book, it was just kind of chatting in, in, in some different chat rooms and, and forums and just starting to uh, continue to build his base of knowledge, but then also to share what he knows with others. Before he realized he might actually have something here. So, what is it for you? What's that next step look like for you as it relates to finding and doing work that you love? Hey, I mentioned it to you at the top of the show, but uh, next Wednesday, October the 29th, we are doing a free webinar on how to get booked and paid to speak. So, if you're interested at all in speaking, not necessarily uh, becoming a full time career, even if, and if you are interested, this is definitely relevant and applicable to you. But even if you're just saying, hey, I'd love to just speak at five, 10 events a year, come hang out with us again next Wednesday October the 29th you can register at grantbalden.com slash webinar again that's grantbalden.com slash webinar the webinar is totally free we're not selling anything no strings attached but you do have to register to be a part of it so we'll also have save some time for Q&A at the end so make sure you're a part of that it's gonna be a lot of fun can't wait for that it's going to be a delightful time hey that wraps up this episode thanks for joining us as always feel free to email me grant at grantbalden.com if there's anything I can do for you or you can hit me up on Twitter at Grant Baldwin. All right, my friends, we'll be coming at you next week with more beautiful, delicious, fresh baked knowledge biscuits. Until then, you're awesome. Talk to you later.
1: Thanks for listening to the How Did You Get Into That podcast with Grant Baldwin. Don't forget to visit grantbaldwin.com for all the show notes and links discussed in today's episode. We'll see you next time.